0: Hello everyone, this the is John Lee, your
1: local real estate agent in the greater Philadelphia, Philadelphia area. I am here with Christine Han. Uh, normally, when we have these kinds of interviews, we have interviews from a whole variety of different professions, uh, people who are entrepreneurs. Uh, this is our first guest as a dentist, Christine Han. So Christine, if you could introduce our guest Um, obviously, what you do and a little bit more about yourself.
0: Sure. Um, Thanks for having me on, John. Um, I was hesitant to do this podcast because I don't um, feel like I'm good at marketing myself or talking about myself, but thanks for giving me a push in the right direction. Um, I'm Christine Hahn, as John said, and I'm a local dentist in Philadelphia. Um, I've been a dentist for actually almost 13 years now. Um, which is crazy to me, but um, yeah, it's been over 10 years and um, I'm also a wife and mom of three little boys who are one, three and six. And um, I own my own practice in the far Northeast area of Philadelphia. It's near Huntington Valley and also Beasterville, Trevos. Um So yeah, life is pretty crazy right now. And I am just trying to do my best to be a good wife, mom, friend, boss, dentist, all of the above.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give yourself a little bit more credit than deserve. Um, I know that recently um, you you got voted for one of the best dentists,
0: right? Yeah, I did in um, 2023. That was the first time I won the award. And um, for dentistry, it's actually um, pretty pretty big because you're voted not by your patients, but by my peers and colleagues. So you yeah. have to be in the dental field. You have to be a dentist or a specialist in the dental field to be able to nominate and vote for um, who you feel like is a great dentist. So I think, yes, it does. It is important when the public feels like you're a good dentist, but it, it actually means a lot more when your colleagues say that you're a great dentist. So that was a big, big accomplishment. Um, and my team and I are really proud of that.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I know that's something that you don't uh brag about, uh, but I just want to share that with everyone because um you are uh, a person who I truly admire, um especially um not just not just obviously as a dentist in your profession, but exactly what you mentioned before, like being, you know, a mother of three, three boys by the way. And I'm a family of three boys, like I have two older brothers, right? So um I know how dynamically that can be and how challenging that can be, especially for a mom. So, you know, obviously for all the moms and people and all the parents out there, I'm pretty sure they, they're they thinking that you're, you're definitely a superhero in, uh, in, in modern day uh, era right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you can just share a little bit just so our audience can know a little bit more about you as far as your background and, um, you know, what your journey was uh, leading up into becoming a dentist.
0: Um, sure, I think it probably started um, in high school when I was taking care of my ailing grandmother and I really felt like I had a passion for it. And I was really, um, I don't know. I really just, as a high school student, you wouldn't think that you would, um, you know, take to your sick grandma, but that was when she and I got the closest. And that was when I would take the bus and the subway just to like go to her rehab area and help her every day. And, um, and I really thought that I was going to be in the medical field. Um, my mom's a nurse and she encouraged me not to go into nursing because she had a lot of um, just hesitations about me following in her, in her footsteps. And so I think I went into college thinking I was going to go to med school and um, try to "quote unquote help people that way. I've, um, I've had a type of personality that always wants to help others and just be like a caregiver. So yeah. um, that just seemed like the path that I was going to follow. But it wasn't until I got to college. And at Penn State, you actually have to take a freshman seminar. And I took one called health professions. And every week, we would listen to different health professionals come in talk about their jobs. And a physician came in, a surgeon came in, um, nurse came in, a bunch of different people came in. But I realized that going into medicine was just not exactly what I wanted to do. And so I kind of felt lost. Um, But I talked to my college advisor who was like you know every elective class you have you you opt to take art classes so she's like do you think you'd want maybe want to pursue dentistry and I was like no I don't think so um but I left there and I was like maybe this is something I should look into and I realized through research that dentistry is very much a combination of um science and medicine as well as artistry and that's kind of how I figured out that that's it wasn't it just wasn't something on my radar. I didn't grow up going to the dentist that often, um, as a child of immigrant parents. And it just, so it just wasn't something that was a part of my life. But, um, once I looked into it, I really felt like that was the perfect fit for me. And, um, I still feel like it's the perfect fit. So I, um, there's no pre-dental major in a lot of schools, Penn State included. So I was actually a general science major or a life science major. Um, and it's kind of like bio, but more for health professionals and, Then from there, I went to dental school, and then um, I graduated in 2011, and I've been a dentist ever since.
1: Yeah, so there's a funny story. So for our audience, um, I also went to Penn State. They also required me to take a freshman class, uh, but I actually transferred over from a branch campus, and when I got to University Park, uh, well, at the branch campus, they didn't have those freshman classes at the time, and by the time I was a senior, I didn't take that freshman class so my my senior year i took i took one that was uh for i think it was for engineers and my degree at that time was psychology and i i still remember the teacher i forgot his name but he was like why are you here and i was like it's because i have to be it's required so penn state requires it so um he pretty much was like um don't don't even come to class like he gave me an a so he was nice enough to just give me an a and i walked out there um (laughs) i know it's kind of random but uh those are the kinds of like classes I guess you learn a lot from too um I mean supposedly but
0: I think most people see it as like a junk class and I I mean I thought it was going to be for me as well but it actually ended up being really really helpful
1: yeah yeah no I didn't even know that about you and that's so interesting so yeah I mean uh after after going into uh obviously going to you know college undergrad then going into you know you know into your grad and then eventually finding your way into your career um, let's go a little bit deeper into that. So where did you start? Like, how did it go? What were your experiences like?
0: Um, so as a new grad from dental school, there aren't that many options unless you have family members who are already dentists or, um, know somebody who's in the field and that can kind of get you into private practice. So I didn't have that. I don't know any other dentists really. Um, and so I was left to go into a corporate dental office, um, it's a local corporation, but the owner owns like 50 dental offices and, um, they are really not high quality dental practices. Um, but that's kind of where a lot of people start and, um, they participate with every insurance under the sun. And because of that, the reimbursements are really low. And so the quality just can't be good. They make money based on, um, like, a what's it called? Is it like volume? Uh, volume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, you really have to see a lot of people in order to make any money. And um, it's just not, they're just not really there to mentor you and guide you onto a um, good career path. So I was there for a little bit and then I left for a um, private-ish practice. It was like one of two locations, but the owner really saw it as like a business. He was not a dentist. And in PA, you don't have to be a dentist to own a practice. So that's kind of um, the public doesn't know that. So it's easy to like go to a practice that they put a lot of money into making look nice, but um, it might be owned by somebody who is just looking at everything as a number. Um, And it's not owned by a dentist. They really are just trying to make money off of you. So that again, was not the best place to be. But as a relatively new grad, you just don't really have that many options. You know, private practices want people to come in who are already experienced, who already are gonna be able to continue care at the high level that they have already established. So um, that those first two jobs were probably my worst two jobs. Um, I, did, I won't say I didn't learn anything from them. I did learn a lot. I more so learned what I did not want to yeah. do. Um, and then I did learn to get faster because out of dental school, you are really slow, um, but from there, I was able to go into private practice and really start learning what it means to um, provide quality care and to be able to do things at a more sophisticated level. Um, and I lived in Virginia for a number of years. So I worked in Northern Virginia and um, out of a couple different private practices. And then when I moved back to PI in 2020, I joined the practice that I own now um, as an associate. And a year after I joined as an employee, I ended up buying it from the owner dentist who was uh, retiring from clinical dentistry after 15 years of practice ownership. He's still in dentistry. He's doing like, he's doing more speaking and teaching um, about dental marketing. Um, So he just travels too much and just didn't really have, his passions kind of moved on from clinical dentistry. So yeah, I've been, I've owned it for a little over two years now.
1: No, I I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that was a a discussion point that you and I had um, off air, like how there are a lot of practices that people don't even know, like common people don't even know that are marketed heavily, obviously as a dental practice, but the actual person who doesn't like, like they don't have like, I don't know what you want to call it. Like the credentials are not licensed. They own the business, but um, it, that's a tough barrier to break. I mean, what were some of the things that you saw, um, for example, that um, that you just it just didn't align to what you uh, envisioned? And how is that different between your practice, between maybe some of the others that you've personally worked with in the in the past?
0: Um, I think the main thing is time. So because they are based on volume, you really can't spend the time to listen to what a patient is looking for. Um, you can't listen to their story. You can't find out who they are as a person. Um, you're limited to and forced to use um, cheap materials, um, cheap labs that get send your crowns and all the lab work overseas because a lab in China or India will do it for like a 10th of a cost of an American lab. Um, So there are just so many things that are forced on you that you just can't um, overcome really. And now that I have my own practice and everything is under my control, like I see why from a business perspective, they would want to do that. But at the end of the day, this is my practice and my name is in your mouth, you know, and, and I want people to be able to walk away and for the next 20 years be like, oh yeah, this is holding up great for the last 20 years because Dr. Han did it for me. Or um, they can tell their family and friends, like, you really need to see Dr. Han because she takes the time to listen to your fears, your anxieties, your worries, and what you're concerned about.
1: Right. No, that's so that's so uh, awesome. And I I can tell you right now, because obviously Jen has uh, gotten her trace uh, from (laughs) you as well. (laughs) We actually picked them up yesterday, by the way. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So uh, there is just a level of obviously care that we all know. Like, you know, I know Jen knows um, and I'm hoping our audience kind of understands now. Uh, But like the whole atmosphere that you have right in your practice, for example, you have you have your mascot, right? You have Comet, right? Your dog. Um, it's just, uh, something that I feel that you bring to the table that a lot of other practices as other practices, um, don't have. So, uh, to kind of go on the history of, of how that happened, um, you know, with bringing in Comet, um, bringing in a, a dog and kind of like what the general, um, consensus is that with, with, with your patients and, um, you know, just like the culture there, like, what do you have there? What are you bringing to the table there?
0: Mm-hmm. So I actually, um. I usually, because people are like, wow, you did so much, you know, in such a short period of time. You were pregnant and you bought a house through you, John, and bought a practice, like all in the same year. And they were like, why did you, like, you're so crazy? I hear that all the time. And um, I think I never wanted to buy a practice at this time. I was like, I'll buy it in like five or 10 more years when the kids are a little bit older and, um, you know, like life is a little bit more stable. I feel like I'll have a little bit more of my bearings together and, um, I'll feel more ready. And what makes our practice really unique is the, the team. It's very much a team approach and the practice has been there for 40 years, which is unique in and of itself. I'm the third owner. Um, and even though it's been there for 40 years, we have some, one of our employees has been there since, um, the first owner, she's been there for 26 or 27 years. She started as like, a young 20-something-year-old, um, and all of our staff, when I took over, was really long-standing. So the next employee was there for 15 years, and then after that was 11, 10 or 11 years, and then after that was two years. So it just has a very, like, it feels like a familiar face. People who have been coming since the original owner still talk about the original owner and because he dra- died tragically, unfortunately, and so there's a lot of fond memories with him. And... Um, and then we do cater to a lot of people who have either felt unheard elsewhere or have a lot of dental anxieties. And I know that that's really common. And a lot of these places that kind of rush you in and out, they don't really give you the time or options to be able to feel at ease. So some of the things that make us different is not only are they the same faces that you will see every time you come in day, year in and year out, but we also allow you to come in for a complimentary consultation just to meet me, the team and see if we're a right fit, because sometimes it's hard to get over the initial barrier of like, oh, I have to pay these people. I've never even met them. Will I even like them? Yeah. How will I feel about them working on me in such a intimate and vulnerable way? Um, and so that's something that is also unique to us. And usually when they come in, I, it's very rare that people are like, oh yeah, you guys aren't the right fit for me. It's usually some other you know, barrier that might keep them from coming back to see us. But with the number of anxious patients that we have, Comet was a kind of, an I guess he was an addition to um, just the different options that we have for our anxious patients. So he kind of, he's the office greeter we tease him about, and he just (laughs) kind of like welcomes everybody to the office. And a lot of people have said like, oh, he just made me feel more comfortable right off the bat, just because he just breaks the ice. And um, he is one like I said, he's one of many options that we have for our anxious patients. We have laughing gas. We have oral sedation. We have, um, we even have an anesthesiologist who can come in and put you to sleep for all of your dental work. Um, and these are just options that you just don't get everywhere. And um, people have found us through different avenues and just said, like, I've been looking for somebody who offers these things for many years. Like, I don't I don't know why it took me so long to find you. Right. Um, and so I think from start to finish, you will feel taken care of taken care of and heard and hopefully not anxious and afraid
1: yeah no that's awesome I, I didn't even think of that like as a as as a kind of like a a barrier for a lot of clients like for me I go in there thinking like like oh shit like I, I gotta get ready to like get my teeth pulled out or a feeling you know what I mean <laughs> like I just go in there and just suck it up right um but yeah like I you know what it's a, it's a real thing with anxiety and obviously with 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 so many other conditions that people are um dealing with and um you know uh i i don't think anyone goes into the dentist excited you know uh in fact they're probably going in they're really nervous trying to figure out okay do i have a cavity today uh, do i have to get a teeth pulled out you know what is the x-rays they're gonna say so i didn't think of it that way so it's actually pretty interesting so for our guest, Comet is a dog, by the way. All right. What kind of dog is Comet?
0: Comet is a mini golden doodle. He's right here, actually. Um, he is, he's only about 20 pounds and he, um, so he's three quarters. Say hi. He's three quarters poodle and one quarter golden retriever. Um, and he's extremely friendly and he really just loves people. Um, he's, he's a therapy dog. He, um. still really young he just turned one so we're working on trying to get him to lay on your lap while you're having work done because a lot of people want that but he he gets a little antsy um so he's not quite ready for that but um he really does come in and checks on everybody when the procedure is done I really don't know how he knows but he doesn't bother me when I'm working and he comes into the room when we're all done and he makes sure that you're okay um yeah he kind of has a sixth sense he definitely has the personality and the demeanor for this job temperament um so i think he was he was born to be a therapy dog
1: oh that's awesome so <laughs> um so christine what does like a typical day look like for you and um what are some common misconceptions that people have of dentists
0: um so a typical day starts you mean work day or like yeah
1: like a work day
0: okay um so we get in around 7 30 um we take about 10 minutes kind of like get ourselves together and at 7 40 we have a team meeting um, and that's when we go over any um, potential hiccups, any, we identify people who have outstanding treatment so that we can remind them of, you know, things that they need and try to get them on the schedule. Um, we identify any areas that might be a good spot to bring in an emergency if someone calls that day saying that they have an emergency. Um, we, we try to accommodate all emergencies the same day, but obviously we wanna to try to make it so that doesn't um, make the rest of the day crazy. And then at eight o'clock, our first patients arrive and we get started. Um, we, our hygienist sees one patient per hour, which is different. She actually came from a corporate office where she had to see one patient every half an hour. So um, that kind of tells you like she had to see double the amount of patients to, um, you know, keep up with their pace. And she was like after a year, she was already feeling the burnout. Yeah. Um, and so she's a lot happier to yeah, have a have a full hour. And patients too, they don't feel like they're being rushed in and out, they get a full hour. Um, and then depending on what's on our side, we could have um, a veneer case in the morning and then a couple of like orthodontic starts or um, fillings. Some um, We usually bring new patients in on our side first so that we can meet them and they can meet us and get a feel for everything before we get them scheduled with the hygienist. Um, yeah, it kind of varies depending on the day. Sometimes we have some extractions and and dentures. Um, yeah, it really just it really depends on the day. Um, some common misconceptions are that so I know a lot of people like to cancel their appointments last minute and they feel like it's not a big deal. Our schedule is very carefully orchestrated um, leading up to that day, and so when people cancel it really disrupts the schedule in yeah. a way that people just don't realize. Um, yeah, I think people don't, they value their own time, of course, but they don't see that it really hurts us and they don't, I don't feel like people value our time as much. Um, and so we actually implemented a donation system. So I know some offices will make you pay a fee if you, you know, last minute cancel. and. We wanted to be we did something similar but we wanted to be a, a hindrance not a punishment and so if you don't give us enough notice because if you cancel too late we can't fill it um so we have a donation system where we require you to pay a 25 dollar donation and you can pick the charity that it goes to um one is chops cancer research project one is a breast cancer um research um charity another another one is suicide awareness and these are all charities that have special meaning to um each one of our team members so we have a list um that you can pick from and so the point is to try to make it so that we're not benefiting from your 25 dollars. it doesn't cover the cost of the fee or the, the appointment that you canceled anyway but it's more like you know try to be um more conscious of how you
1: you're still you're still at the end of the day incentivizing them for them to, to be honest, right
0: you know yeah i mean if they cancel and they do a donation <laughs> we still lose out but you know what CHOP got $25 um, for their cancer research. So, um, and then I think, I don't know, what other misconceptions? I think there, uh, another misconception is that dentists are all like very wealthy and just like buy yachts and, you know, cars with whatever money you give them. Like people make comments like, oh, like I'll pay for your next vacation with this crown. And I, I just feel like, those comments are just in poor taste. Um, But yeah, I would say the cost of being a dentist is very high. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, dentistry is a very high overhead profession. Um, So, you know, I think, I think that's another misconception.
1: No, I'm with you there too. Cause even for me, like, when people look at me from the outside, they say, Oh, John owns, you know, x amount of properties like you know he does you know he does this and he does that it's like well like same thing the uh the, the cost of entry is high to get into some of those things you know and you have to spend money in order to into in order obviously to make to make some money mm-hmm. uh, and i yeah i'm with you too like it, it it requires a lot of work a lot of time um and obviously investment right it's a big investment to get into the business uh the next question that i was going to ask you right, is um, how can our listeners find a practice that really cares about their patients and not about money? So like you mentioned some some uh, some things like, um, you know, they'll find the cheapest crowns, right? Uh, or they'll try to maximize uh, time, right? By shortening the, uh, the appointment, like how long the appointment is. Uh, what other things have you noticed in some of these practices? And what can people do? So like, let's just say I walk into one, what are some things that I can kind of notice right away uh, that will be a strong tail, right, of uh, of some of these of these uh, money grabs, right?
0: Um, I think that it's hard to tell easily. Um, I think the offices that are like the corporate offices they do a really good job of polishing everything up so that they look really nice. Um, <clears throat> it is hard to tell. And I don't have like a, you know, formula cheat sheet that will ensure that you get quality care. But I think that if you are going to a place where you um don't know the owner, like if the owner is not there, or like there sometimes, um that would be a red flag. The other thing would be kind of what we talked about before, like if your cleaning appointment is not at least one hour long, I would say that would be another red flag. Um, If they try to upcharge you on a lot of things like for example
1: like fluoride
0: no (laughs) well fluoride no
1: yo I get upcharged on that fluoride all the time I'm like yo we
0: okay so we sell fluoride too but (laughs) okay fluoride is not something that it's because it costs like it costs something to get the fluoride but um the hygienist who came from the corporate said you know, if she used like a special polish, it would be like an extra hundred dollars. Oh, okay. um, she would be like, oh, like you have a lot of staining on your teeth um, that I can't get off with my, you know, like my regular instruments. If you want me to get that off, I can use this other thing that we have and that can get, you know, the staining off. Do you want to do that? It'll be another hundred dollars. So, but for us, it's kind of like, she gets it all off, without the extra hundred dollars. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, so there's like a lot of little like ticky tacky upcharge things like, Oh, we can put some medicine in there and that medicine's going to be an extra like 75 or, um, these are all things that like I do on a regular basis without, we let the patient know like, Hey, this is what we did, but it costs the same whether we do a filling with an additional, you know, medicament or not, because that's just part of, it's just, you know, part of the procedure. Right. Um, The one thing that I do tell people is to see if they are in network with um, most insurances or even any insurances. So um, when it comes to insurance, it's like a very big confusing thing. And that's on purpose by the insurance companies. They make it complicated so that you have to rely on them, but we are not in network with any insurance. That doesn't mean you can't use your insurance, but we're not contracted by them to agree to their fees because their fees haven't increased a significant amount in over 30 years and so if you think about anything the cost of anything over the last 30 years it's gone up yeah and insurance companies have not done anything to increase and actually a lot of insurance companies have reduced their reimbursements in the last year um and so we work with cigna and guardian and Aetna, like all those insurances but because we don't agree to their fees and we, we only charge our fee for regardless of who the patient is, the insurance company actually pays us more than they do an in-network dentist. So um, when you are in-network, you can only charge like let's say $75 for a filling and I can charge $200 for a filling and they'll pay the insurance dentist 75 and they'll pay me 190. So even though it's the same thing, just being in network just forces you to do something for a third of the cost or half the cost. Um, And so actually I would say that's another misconception is that if you're out of network, you can't utilize your insurance. Um, I think people should know that you have the option of choosing who your provider is, regardless of what your insurance says. And that way you can know that you're getting the care that you want without them dictating to you who you have to see. And you can still utilize the benefits that they are saying that they, you know, that you're paying for essentially.
1: No, that's, that's, that's like very important. Um, And in fact, uh, there's, there's so much to it with obviously, you know, uh, with, with people having insurance from uh, whether they own it themselves, right? Like, you know, by being a business owner or whatever. And then a lot of the times, or at least most of the times, it's people who are working for like a large company, right? Now, are you finding that people who are working for like W-2 jobs, are they typically having these insurance plans that are? uh, like, like kind of not in, in network or in network, like what's kind of your take on that from your experience?
0: Um, I'm not sure if I understand your question exactly, but I will say people who work for bigger corporations, they have more buying power. So they usually have better, um, better dental insurance plans. Whereas people who have to buy them on their own, they are oftentimes expensive and there's a lot of restrictions like waiting periods, um, pre-existing condition clauses. So they don't really, you can't, I don't want to say you can't, but oftentimes the cost benefit does not go in your favor when you buy your own insurance. If you get it for like nine bucks a paycheck from your employer, then yeah, get it. But if you have to pay like a hundred dollars a month for dental insurance, like definitely don't do that because they really rarely cover what you need. And if you just need cleanings, you can get your teeth cleaned for a couple hundred dollars and not have to worry about paying this insurance company. Right. Hundreds of dollars for the, you know, right. for the. Right.
1: Okay. Well, um, just kind of um, wrapping things up, um, looking ahead, like where, where do you see yourself in the next couple of years? Like, what are your future goals, um, your aspirations? Where do you see your business going in the next couple of years? Um, and, um, you know, whether that's, uh, even business or even personally, uh, where, where do you kind of see everything in the next, in the future, in the near future?
0: Um, I think just because of social media, there's a lot more high demand for aesthetic procedures. Um, so I think that's just going to continue to increase. People really want veneers and whitening um, and straight teeth. So that stuff is all just going to keep on increasing. Um, And something that we incorporated this past year that's really um, big for health overall is sleep dentistry, which is um, kind of like the bridge between um, sleep medicine and dentistry in terms of like sleep apnea and sleep disorders.
1: Um,
0: So there's a lot of people who have sleep disorders and they are not like being tired is a chronic thing. And it's very prevalent, especially amongst Americans, we just don't get enough sleep. And the sleep that we do get is not um, good quality sleep. And so people are just very tired. And it's just very common and people accept it. But um, overall, sleep is so important, because that's the only time our bodies really get to rest and recover. And heal ourselves. So, um, when we're not sleeping well, it's really leading to a lot of other health issues, as you know, just from, you know, America's healthcare bills, just going up and up and up. And so sleep, sleep is actually related to a lot of these things and the medical system can't deal with the demand. Um, and so dentistry and medicine are now working a little bit more in a partnership in this specific way. Um, I mean, I really do feel like there's too much of a chasm between medicine and dentistry. In general, but at least we have a little bit of a bridge here. Um, so we work with local sleep physicians to administer at home sleep tests to patients so that they're not waiting months and months to get into a sleep lab and have to have a sleep test at a lab. It's actually a lot more efficient and um, sometimes more accurate because you're in the comfort of your own home and you're able to sleep better. Um, and then when patients either fail a CPAP or they don't want to wear a CPAP, um, we can actually make them an oral appliance so that they can address their snoring or their sleep apnea and we've had a lot of people who we've had a lot of patients be like oh my husband needs to get in to see you and then they're once they get their sleep apnea treated they're able to now sleep together in the same bedroom again like so many people sleep in separate bedrooms mm-hmm. from their houses that we don't even realize um because it just became part of their normal routine um but yeah so i think that's going to be that's something that we implemented last year and we're starting to really um do a lot more of it and so we actually built our own sleep dental website um, so that patients can find us that way um, if That's they're so not
1: cool. with- Didn't know that
0: yeah so it's like a it's like a business within a business um, because yeah. it's such a high demand and high um, need thing within our community so
1: okay and lastly where can our listeners find you?
0: Um, so our website, you can either go to philadelphiapa.dentist or pcde.com. You can find me on Instagram at pcde underscore Philly Dental. Um, and then our sleep stuff is sleepbetterphilly.com. And yeah, I think we are pretty easy to find um, on Google. We come up pretty high. So if you look up Philadelphia Dentist or my name, it should be easily accessible.
1: Okay and uh kristine thank you so much for everything and uh very informative and uh super excited to um share this with other people
0: thanks so much for having me john
1: all
0: right thank you for making me to do this all right see ya. <laughs> bye dali real estate find you the best rate i do all like google expressway talking up people who are at the five, even the 267 who always happen like oh what time for no food